You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Eric Coleman. Hello, Long Island, around the country. 103.9, the Allied News Radio Network presents the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Eric Coleman. Remember, you can follow us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. The show is brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Eric, what's going on, my friends? Oh, nothing, man. Just enjoying this weekend, man. Excited to talk about, you know, some sports. You know, we're getting back to action today. And, um, you know, I'm happy to be here chatting with you, bro. Speaking to getting back to action, and we will get into that in just a few minutes. We're going to get into the NHL playoffs with Kevin Weeks in the middle of the hour. Uh, He's going to speak about the Islanders making their move for Lord Stanley's Cup. We're also going to get into the MLB, the Yankees, with their interleague play with the New York Mets. And the Mets seem to have a new owner in the mix with Steve Cohen. We'll get into that a little bit later. And the NFL season is too weeks away eric oh my god i'm excited about that my friends i am absolutely oh, excited I, I cannot wait to get some football uh you know start talking some football to to see what goes on with this season there have been so many things that have happened in the off season that you know it's going to be an exciting season this year so let's get it on absolutely but first things first we're going to get into the nba and this whole social injustice situation with the players now I I sit here every single day on our shows, below the mic, down to the wire, throughout the week, listening to all our shows throughout the week, and their own thoughts to this social injustice thing. And you look at the NBA right now, and I agree with Adam Silver on some of the things that he has done moving forward as a commissioner. I think he's the best commissioner in professional sports. But when I look at the NBA as a whole, And some of the players and a lot of the players like a.k.a. LeBron James, outspoken, stands up for the players, stands up for himself and his own thoughts. I look at LeBron James as the leader of the NBA. I do. And what has happened in the last couple of weeks? I agree with the players on their thoughts and the disturbing uh, attacks against what's going on in the community and the world. And I absolutely agree with some of the players on the attacks of some of the police officers attacking African-Americans and all the stuff that you've seen, Eric, all the stuff that we've seen on CNN, NBC, and CBS when we watch the news. And by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan, to me, and, and if you watch The Last Dance, Michael Jordan does not get into politics. He's really taken a step back over the years as a basketball player because He's a guy that thinks when you're playing basketball, you stick to basketball, you concentrate on the game, and that's why Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete in my eyes that ever played in professional sports. But Michael Jordan has become the voice of reason during this NBA owners meeting. And to look at Michael Jordan, the only black African-American owner in the NBA, and him being a spokesman from this, I love what I hear from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is trying to speak out for the players and the owners, stand between it. Michael Jordan wants there to be a season. Remember, the Charlotte Hornets are not in the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs. They're, they're not there. And he's up, you know, his team is right now picking at number three in the draft. 
But Michael Jordan is a guy that I respect because he's the greatest basketball player to ever play. And nobody can compare to who he was as an athlete. He was an assassin on the court. And what I've read about Michael Jordan, Eric, is Michael Jordan has an understanding of what's going on in the world. He also understands that if he doesn't speak up for what is right, there is going to be a huge problem moving forward in the NBA. And what LeBron James has done in the uh, players' meeting and owners' meeting, to me, is uncalled for. I do not agree with what LeBron James has said and what he has really done in the public eye. Now, on his Twitter, he has every right to speak up for his own feelings and for whatever the players are feeling. But out there in the open, speaking and saying the things that he has said to the the public, and politically, he is one of the best politically sound players we've ever heard in professional sports. He is probably the best when it comes to understanding politics. When you look at Michael Jordan, he wasn't a political guy. LeBron James, he was a part of the whole Obama uh, situation when, when he wanted to become president and Obama was running for presidency. LeBron James was a spokesman for President Obama. So you've seen what Chris Paul and LeBron James has done in the politic type of way. But when President Obama is no longer the president of the United States, and he has nothing to do with the NBA. He really doesn't. And I understand that all the players respect President Obama because of who he is and what he stands for. I disagree that you have to go to President Obama and ask him if we should have another, we should go back and, and play and have another and keep going with the playoffs. So I disagree what LeBron James has done and Chris Paul has done. Now, your thoughts to, I want to know your thoughts to what you think about this whole social injustice thing. Because to me, I understand what the players are doing. I back up the players 110%. I just look at it in a completely different way than a lot of people. Well, first of all, I'd like to commend the players in the NBA for, you know, taking a stance. And the way they've gone about it, you know, boycotting a couple of days, coming up with some some plans, plans of action. You know, that's one thing that a lot of people have problem with is when people are doing these protests or they, you know, they're taking a knee or they're doing their signs of protest and there's no really plan of action. And I think the NBA is doing a great job of figuring out what they can do uh, to to make change, to to help bring these changes to light. You know, they're going to start making NBA arenas, voting stations. And I think that's great because a lot of these NBA arenas are in inner city communities. And I think that's where it starts. When you get to politics, and Errol, I agree with you in in some ways, you know, with bringing in Obama and things like that. But, you know, I I think that it's important that we educate the fans and the people of this country that is more important than President Trump or Biden, who's who's trying to be the, the, the next president. I think it's bigger than that. We have to look at our on the local level, getting these police officers trained uh, the right way to deal with these people, to deal with these different situations that they're, they're, they're put in, to where the police officers aren't afraid and they're reacting off of fear rather than thinking logically, de-escalating the situation. And, and you know, we all get through this event with our lives. I think that there's a lot that needs to be done. And I think I commend the players on leading the way. Chris Paul is the president of the NBA Players Association. So he's going to be a big voice. You know, LeBron is the, you know, probably the biggest name in NBA basketball right now. So he's going to be a voice. But we have to be careful that we don't just monopolize the conversation and say that we're speaking for the whole players union when we're talking and just voicing our personal opinions because the NBA is full of guys of different races. You know, yes, the majority of them are black, but they all have different political stances. They all have different socioeconomic backgrounds that they come from. And LeBron James does not speak for everyone. 
And I think that that was apparent in their, their first meetings when LeBron had to walk out of the meeting because quite a few players didn't agree with his agenda. As a leader in the NBA, you know, LeBron James is kind of taking this thing and, and trying to take it as his own and look like he's a big brother to everybody, but all the players don't see him that way. Right. So, you know, that, that can cause some problems. That can cause a tiff in which it did uh, in the players' meetings. And I think it's important for these younger guys to step up. Like, you know, I used to say it all the time. You don't have to be a veteran. You don't have to be a pro bowler. You don't have to be an all-star to be a leader. And a lot of these guys are seeing that and they're having a voice because they're personally affected by things and they're not just going to allow one person to dominate and, and speak for the whole league. So I think that's important that they all get on one accord, get on the same page and, and put out a great message. It is a touchy subject and, and that's why we wanted to get this in first for the segment because I look at the NBA as a whole. I think the NBA is one of the biggest organizations in professional sports. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the NBA. Those are the two biggest, especially when it comes to social media media and dominance of social media. NBA players are the number one when it comes to athletes on Twitter, on Instagram. They have the most following. LeBron James, who has over 68 million people that follow him on social media, especially Twitter, he uses his platform for his own. He shouldn't be speaking up for other players. You're absolutely right. And LeBron James is only throwing himself, I would say, under the bridge, under the rug. Because when you look at LeBron James as a whole, LeBron James is one of the greatest basketball players we have ever seen. He is going to be compared to Michael Jordan. He will be compared to the greats like Tom Brady and Joe Montana and all these professional sports. When we talk about the greatest athletes of all time, LeBron James will be put on that pedestal when he's done with his career. The problem is LeBron James is an outspoken player who likes to spread his thoughts not only to social media, but to the players and the players' union. And I think a lot of players are completely upset about what LeBron James has said. And really, he's not helping the situation. Either is Chris. Paul. Both of those guys who are very good friends. Dwayne Wade, who's no longer in the league. Carmelo Anthony has spoken out a couple of times in the last couple of weeks on this whole situation. The problem is certain players and certain groups are together and they have their own thoughts to it. And then there are other players that have their own thoughts but disagree on some of their agendas on the situation. So unfortunately, we're stuck between it, Eric, because both of us agree with the players. We think that the players should speak out but in a different kind of way. How about Dominic Smith? I love what Dominic Smith had to say. Not only did he cry and he spoke from his heart, he let it be known that he disagrees with what's going on in the world. He wants the world to get better. And he sees the game a completely different way than what you heard LeBron James. When you watch Dominic Smith's interview, it's more touchy. It makes you drive to him. It makes you glue your eyes to the TV and actually listen to what he has to say. And I think Dominic Smith really said his feelings towards the situation. And that's what I love about Dominic Smith because of who he is and what he is as a player, and he uses the platform not to attack the situation, but to help the situation in his own way. So Dominic Smith is, is one of those guys that you, you become a fan of just because of what's going on in the world. He's not taking shots of anybody. He's not taking shots at the league. He's not taking shots at the players. He's not taking shots at the fans. He's speaking from his heart. And to me, when you speak from your heart, Eric, and you know you're a professional athlete, and you understand what it is to make it and how hard it is to get to that platform and understand that you you have to use that platform for good. You see Dominic Smith, he's using it for good. He's not yeah. using it for bad. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I listen, everyone has their own experiences and their own opinions. But, you know, yes, I'm a former athlete. And yes, these guys are professional athletes. But the guys that are speaking out, you know, they're, they're men first and mm -hmm. they're black men first. Mm -hmm. And they're directly affected by what's going on Absolutely. in this world. So I think that it's important that they be the voice for those who can't be heard and continue to do these things. That's why I think it is important for, the, you know, the professional athletes. I love to see Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, the Steelers. Mike Tomlin addressed, right. you know, a lot of people. NHL players got together. I, I think it's important. Important. We are all people that everyone looks up to. All the kids, politicians, mm -hmm. business people from every corner of the country, everyone looks up to athletes. I think it's important that they have a voice and that they come together and get unified and, and try to make change for the better because that's all it is. Everyone just wants a better world. You know, we all just want to be treated fairly. We all want things to be just in this society. And I don't think that's too much to ask. And I, I commend all the players for coming out. I'm glad that they're doing it in, in a peaceful way, in a respectable way. It makes me proud to be a professional athlete. It makes me proud to be a black man, to see how these guys are all coming together. WNBA as well. It's just a beautiful thing. And I, and I pray that this continues to, to keep the conversation going and hopefully make some things change around this country. Let's not kid ourselves. We live in the best country in the world. Absolutely, you know, we, we, we do. We, we really do. And the United States of America is a beautiful place to live. I'm proud to be from here. I'm proud to live here. And I, and I think that if we can just get on the same page and make a change for the positive and just keep this thing moving in the right direction. We'll all be better. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the NBA playoffs. We will get into the Lakers, the LA Clippers, and everything that's going into the NBA when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. Little Snoop Dogg, baby. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. To 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. But only tonight. Our show is right now going on right after the Islander game at 10.15 p.m. I'm very excited. Our show after the Islander game. What a treat on 103.9 LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Before we get into a little NHL playoff with Kevin Weeks, our special guest, I want to get into the NBA playoffs. And to me, now that the NBA playoffs is now going to return, I'm excited. When you look at some of these, these playoff games, and I, I'll tell you this right now, Orlando and Milwaukee is the interesting series because even though it's 3-1 Milwaukee, I am very surprised that Orlando is still in this series. And if they could push it off to a six-game to me, that's an accomplishment for the Orlando Magic because Orlando has no business, in my eyes, playing Milwaukee, has no business being in the playoffs. And to me, they've been absolutely remarkable. I know it's 3-1 and everybody keeps saying, oh, they're getting dominated. This Orlando Magic team is a very young team. They're an up-and-coming team. It's going to take another year or two for them to develop some of the young players that they have. They've had a couple of number one draft picks on this team. And I think they're developing very, very quickly. So I love this series because right now Milwaukee should be resting, when, like all the other teams that are completely ready to get into the, the semifinals. And right now Milwaukee is the only team in the Eastern Conference right now that's still playing. So... What are your thoughts to Orlando putting a little heat on Milwaukee? I, I love it. I love it. With every game as a young team, uh, you know, in the playoffs, you just grow experience and you grow confidence moving forward. So, you know, it was great for Orlando to get off to, you know, a positive start, you know, with Milwaukee. No, no one expects Orlando to beat Milwaukee. You know, everyone has Milwaukee kind of slotted in as the Eastern Conference mm -hmm. champion and uh, to be playing in the finals. But I, I think it's great for the league. I think it's great for, um, you know, Orlando. For their confidence, I think that 
if they continue to play well and be competitive in these games, and that's just going to make the team stronger and more confident moving into the offseason. It, ju- it just has to show you that when you look at Miami right now waiting for Milwaukee, Miami's getting rest, and you, you, they took no time whatsoever to beating and knocking out Indiana because Indiana with all their, their injuries, and despite that, uh, they completely dominated that, that series. But you look at Miami right now, they're getting the time to breathe and get healthy, and Milwaukee's still playing where everybody thought Milwaukee was going to have the easiest uh, first-round uh, first series. It's not so easy, and now they're going into a series when they do knock off Orlando because we believe they're going to knock off Orlando. They're going to have problems with Miami because Miami, you saw what they did against Indiana. They completely dominated the boards. They, they could shoot the ball. They're young. They're fast. They move up and down the court and they play team defense, Eric. So, mm-hmm. I, I, and I love Jimmy Butler. I've always loved Jimmy yeah. Butler. Yeah, I love, I love watching Miami. And, and listen, that's what they're supposed to do. They handled their business. You know, they're supposed to sweep Indiana. They did. They got their coach fired. <laughs> and, <laughs> what and what else on. is new? You know, that, that, that's, what you're, that's what you're supposed to do when you're, you know, fighting for a championship. Mm-hmm. You know, handle your business, get your rest, uh, prepare for your next opponent, and, and go out there and defeat and conquer, you know, and do that again. So, you know, I'm excited for that series. Once Milwaukee handles their business, it's going to be nice to see the Heat and the Bucks go, go at it, uh, you know, you have Giannis, Jimmy Butler, you know, in that team basketball. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a great matchup because Miami does play such great team defense. They're tough, they're gritty, and they play as one unit. The Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, it's crazy how they just completely swept. You saw Boston sweeping the 76ers, and then they fired their coach. And then you look yep. at Toronto. Toronto, who a lot of people believe Toronto has the best coach right now in the NBA, and Nurse, and what he has done for the Toronto Raptors in, in two years. He won a championship, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, t- Toronto Raptors are one of the best teams in the East, losing arguably one of the best players in the league in Kawhi Leonard. He goes over there to the West, and they're still, they haven't taken one step back. All steps forward. Kyle Lowry became a superstar. They have so many players on this team producing and doing the things that you expect them to do. And I can't wait for this series because I think this is the best series. I was wrong about the Indiana-Miami series. I thought that was going to be the best series. But I think this is going to be a fun series with the Celtics and and Toronto because they match up very, very well against one another. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. You know, I I love Toronto. You know, I I talked about uh, them earlier, you know, in the earlier weeks. You know, they play that team basketball as well. They all play defense. They all touch the ball on offense. It's not just, you know, pass it to one guy and let him do his thing. It's You know, they're playing team ball. And and Nick Nurse, you know, props to him, you know, NBA coach of the year. You know, I I think that he's done a phenomenal job losing, you know, arguably one of the best players in the NBA. And and you still continue uh, to be competitive and you continue to be dominant. I think that's beautiful. And then you go to the Celtics who, you know, who handled their business. You know, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They, they won, they won their series, got the other coach fired and go on to the next round. <laughs> What's up you with the that? Eastern conference? <laughs> get up out of here, man. You gotta <laughs> get up. Oh my God. Kenny Atkinson gets fired. <laughs> this guy gets fired. That guy gets fired. I think what four coaches well, in the Eastern conference have been fired. It, well, you know, it's just like the NFL, just like in sports nowadays, you know, you don't have a couple of years to build your team. It's a, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Uh, sports market that we live in. Yep. Everybody expects wins right now. 
now. If you don't produce in your first couple of years, you're up out of here. So, you know, it's a tough job to be a coach nowadays. It's a tough job to be a player. But, you know, that's why you paid the big bucks. Mm. Ask the Knicks. I mean, how many coaches the Knicks had over the last, I don't know, 10 years? You look at James Dolan. He's still paying some of the coaches that were a part of the organization. So <laughs> I uh, need to get in with James Dolan. I, I need to go same, get me a coach. Same here, man. Let's I retire. I mean, me, me and you should coach the Knicks. <laughs> After Tom Thibodeau gets fired in a year or two, uh, me and you should coach the Knicks. I think we have a better chance, even though we have no coaching NBA experience. Maybe we can move forward and, and get the Knicks where they want to be because no, nothing else has worked. The Lakers in Portland, that series looks like it's over, even though I love Damian Lillard and Damian Lillard. I do believe that Damian Lillard will be traded. If it's not this coming year, it'll be next year because I just don't think Portland has enough, especially in the Western Conference, to win. I like C.J. McCollum. I like some of Nurchik and some of the players that they have. I just don't know if they're ready to win. I don't think they have the right recipe to win. I think they have too many point guards on the team. And, and you're seeing with the Lakers. The Lakers are bigger, stronger, and just a better team. And Carmelo Anthony, he looks older and older by the game. I disagree with that. I think that Demian Lillard will be with the organization for a long time. You know, he could have went in free agency and, and gone on to play on other teams, but he's committed to growing this organization and making them a winner. But, you know, with him leaving the, the bubble, you know, him, he's out for the year. It's really all she wrote right. for the Blazers. It, it was really that to begin with. You know, they started off strong. I thought Dame did a great job of keeping them in there. They played great team ball at the beginning of this series, but the Lakers have kind of caught their stride. Uh, and and this listen, nobody expects the Blazers to beat the Lakers. Right. Everyone expects the Lakers to be in the championship. So, you know, th- this isn't something that's a surprise to anyone uh, that the Lakers are, are defeating the Blazers and, and they're going to move on. I think everybody's rooting against LeBron James right now. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he's not gaining too many fans. Right no, now. he's not. How about the Rockets series? The Rockets were up 2-0 and OKC looked like they were out. We were talking about last week. I couldn't believe that the Rockets were up 2-0. And then this week, OKC completely controlled it. Chris Paul looks like the superstar that we believe that he was. And, and a lot of people will be talking about he might go to the Knicks in the offseason because Rose loves Chris Paul because he was his agent. So Chris Paul has really taken this team to higher heights. I'm very surprised. But the Rockets have been proven, uh, proving everybody completely wrong about how good of a team they are and team basketball they are. Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden, both players want the ball, need the ball. And James Harden is not a playoff player. Go look at his numbers. He has been proven to be not a playoff player. And you're seeing it in this series right now. Chris Paul, it's really amazing to see how effective Chris Paul has been throughout the years. You know, he just continues to play at a high level and to get, you know, continues to, you know, be one of the best point guards in the league. And so I I love watching his growth, you know, And, and then when you look at the Rockets, Yes, you know, James Harden traditionally hasn't been a great playoff player, but, you know, listen, Michael Jordan was faced his time. You know, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Michael Jordan at mm-hmm. any time, at any point. But at some point, it's like you have to go, you know, take your offseason seriously. Sometimes, you know, you have to evaluate your game and see, listen, I'm not being effective in the playoffs. Let's take it to the next level. What do I have to do to my game to get to the next level? And, and I think that James Harden, you know, is, is going to do that. You know, I think Russell uh, Westbrook, if, if he can stay healthy, uh, I think that the, this duo can cause a lot of problems for teams. Thank God yeah, you no, didn't no, compare no, no. James Harden to Michael Jordan because oh, you no, compared no, – no, no, hold no, on no. one second. You compared James Harden to Allen Iverson, and that had oh, yeah. my that had me burning inside because I have oh, I no stand, I stand by that, <laughs> one. I stand by that one. <laughs> Of course you do. Denver and Utah. This series has been the best series in the first round, and Utah is up 3-2. to two. Donovan Mitchell has been the best player so far in the playoffs. Hands down, he's 
been explosive, fun to watch. And Denver, who has the best bench in the NBA, has no answer for Donovan Mitchell. No answer. Well, well, they did. They did last game. Yes, you they know. did. But they still kept him. What do you? He had I mean, twenty Jamal something Murray, points. Jamal Murray has been has been dominant. Fantastic. You know, he took over that game. And, and these are two teams that that are are fighting it out. You know, it looked like Utah. You know, last game they they came out swinging. You know, they came out with a strong lead. And all of a sudden, I look back at the game. And now Denver ends up winning, you know, and so it's, it's a back and forth game. This is turning out to be one of the better series in the playoffs. And as far as Dallas in the Clippers, I think Dallas is done. But Luka Doncic has proven to Ooh. me that he is going to be the best player in the NBA. He He's a fantastic. Else. He's fantastic. Fantastic. He is special, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that he dominates the game. I mean, with the sprained ankle, he comes out and dominates, puts up 43 in a triple-double like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's big. He, he's athletic. He's crafty. He has great vision. He has a shooting touch. I mean, he, he he's playing like a, like a Magic Johnson, a better Magic Johnson. Absolutely. I mean, listen. Listen, Magic Johnson, one of the greats, and mm-hmm. no disrespect to Magic Johnson, but at the traje- trajectory that Luka is going, he's going to be one of the all-time great point guards if he continues to grow. He's 22 years old, phenomenal talent. As you guys know, we have Kevin Weeks up next when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can follow us by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. The LI News Radio Network 103.9, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 we finally have our guests on the line. I'm very excited. Kevin Weeks is a guy... Very well respected throughout the NHL. Played for the Rangers, played for the Florida Panthers, had a great NHL career. Kevin, what's going on, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for the warm intro, guys. Uh, everybody's healthy, most importantly, and safe. Hopefully the same side, same on your side. And, yeah, it's been, a, as we all know, 2020 has been wild. It's been an emotional roller coaster, especially with so many different things, from COVID to different people passing to the lockdown to social distancing to all the racial inequality for the, for those of us that are Black and people of color and everybody else that's interconnected with us, too. So it's been really challenging, but all that being said, doing well. And it's great to hear, you know, that you're doing well. It has been a tough year for all of us. And we took a loss yesterday as well. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman passed away. You know, he played Jackie Robinson, Black Panther. There's just been so many things that have gone wrong in this year. How do you stay positive? How do you stay optimistic in these times? Yeah, deepest condolences to them, too. You're so right. I actually loved him in Defy Bloods, too, by, uh, by Spike. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that. But make sure you do see that one if you haven't. What a challenge it's been to stay positive. I mean... Fortunately, I'm an upbeat person. I'm a high energy person. I've got great family, so very fortunate to have that on both sides of our family. But uh, that being said, the biggest thing is just being grateful for health outside of these hives that I've been having for about five months. <laughs> but being being grateful for good health and great family. Also, the fact that there's so much opportunity that's out there and there's so many different things that we can do that are bigger than us and continue to help in those areas, but also continue professional pursuits, personal family stuff. So in that sense, it's, it's helped to kind of offset so much of the negativity and pain that we're certainly experiencing that a lot of people have experienced. And also a lot of people that have been compassionate towards us are experiencing as well. So just trying to keep that good mind frame, you know what it's like, EC, especially when you were playing, sometimes things don't seem like they're going right. And the media might be on you. You're on yourself, the TV critics, maybe some of your teammates, maybe position coach, but it's just trying to find ways to stay positive every day 
and wake up and look at every day as a new game, so to speak, or a new challenge. We are talking to former NHL goaltender and NHL analyst Kevin Weeks. Now, Kevin, let's get into the NHL playoffs. And we're here in New York. We're here in Long Island. And the New York Islanders are tied 1-1 with the pesky Philadelphia Flyers. What is your thoughts to Barry Trotz's defense and what the Islanders are doing right now in the NHL playoffs? The biggest thing for the Islanders is the combination of Lou Lamorello, who is the architect of the Devils, who I played for with the Devils. You know, he led them to five Stanley Cup appearances. They won three. He's a Hall of Fame general manager and an even better person and a great leader in general. And then the hiring of Barry Trotz as their head coach, which is a huge coup for them, for the Islanders. Everything for the Islanders changed in those two masterstroke moves. And from that, that really was able to set the culture and the atmosphere for the organization on a whole new course. So professionalism, accountability, decency, being team first, committed to team defense, being difficult to play against, being consistent in all those habits every day as people and as pros. It's changed the Islanders, man. And Barlamov has played exceptionally well so far this playoffs. He didn't have very much help last game. Matthew Barzell's a two-time All-Star already. As a young player, Beauvillier has been great. So they've been doing it by way of team committee, defending first, playing for each other first with the crest on the front of the jersey and said the name on the back. And obviously, the Islanders, for me, have been such a great story this year. But really, they've been a great story since Lou Lamorello got up in the GM chair and president chair and Barry Trotz went behind the bench. It's completely transformed the organization. Looking at the Islanders, do you think that they have an opportunity to make some noise and to, to win that Stanley Cup this year? I, listen, I know it's far-fetched. I know they're a young team, but do you give them a decent chance? I do. And the reason why I say that they have, they have a good chance is the fact that they're in game. They don't chase games. And you know this yourself. If your team defends well, you don't have to chase the score clock. And even on offense, you don't necessarily have to make plays or try to really stretch to put points on the board. So it's the same thing with the Islanders. They don't have to stretch to generate offense because by their nature, they're not a very offensive team. They're a defense first, second team, really, if you will. But then they get natural chances by defending well. So I think that when you defend as well as you do, you're in every game, you have a chance to win a game, and you'll win way more than you'll lose. That being said, there's still some elite teams that are still left in the East. In Boston, I love Boston's team. Tampa, I mean, that series might go seven between those two teams. So at least you eliminate one of them if you're an Islander fan. <laughs> and then, of course, too, the biggest thing is just health for the Islanders as they go forward. But they've been really impressive. They're at the dance. They're dancing well. So to me, they've got as good a shot as anybody, just like Philly down the turnpike from us here in Jersey. Philly's been a disruptor this year, and they're now a contender too. So really great stories with both the Islanders and the Flyers, kind of Northeast Corridor here. Speaking of dancing, I mean, who do you think will win at a dance competition? Me or Eric? Come on, Kevin. Be honest here. I mean, I got some grooving, man. I think I could beat him in a dance competition. What do you think, Eric? You don't need to answer that question, Kevin. We already know. We already know how you feel. <laughs> well, he doesn't know me, so that's not fair. That's not fair. You knows you he doesn't know me that's not yeah. fair eric that's not fair oh that's funny you'd be the hype man. Go ahead. <laughs> no no i did i did want to ask you you know as a former safety when watching football i watched the safeties first that's the way that i watched the game you being a former goaltender i'm sure that's the way you watch it as well there's been some impressive performances in the playoffs so far who are some of the young goaltenders that have stood out to you in these playoffs i gotta start with carter hart for the philadelphia flyers i mean that kid just turned 22 and he's their next franchise goalie the fact that he's that good this young, that composed, this young. He went up against his idol and Carey Price, the stud goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, who's a future Hall of Fame lock, and in the first round, and they beat them. And to play against your idol at the other end of the rink, and I know this is a young goalie because when I got to the league, a lot of my hockey cards and sticker books and posters were actually on the ice playing against me. And sometimes it was a little bit trippy. Like, you believe in your game, you know your game, but you're like, oh, whoa, 
Oh, that's Gretzky tonight. Shoot. Okay. Well, that's Mario Lemieux tonight. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? But he never had any of that in him. He doesn't have it. He respects them, but he doesn't defer to them. And he's just so mature beyond his years. So I would say him. I would also say the big cat, the big Russian cat, Andre Vasilevsky in Tampa. They're young goalies, 25 now, 26. But, I mean, he came into the league at 2021. He won the Vezina Trophy last year as Goalie of the Year. Finalist for it again this year. Their goalie coach in Tampa, too, my man, Franz Jong, is uh, the only black goalie coach in the NHL as well. And he's had five of the last seven Vezina Trophy finalists. Wow. Yeah, including Vasilevsky again this year for him in Tampa. So he's doing an amazing job there. I had a chance to speak to him the other day. So big ups and props to him. He's doing an outstanding job. But those would be two of the young guys, though, EC, as far as goalies that have caught my eye so far here in the playoffs. At that age, at like a 25 and under. We are talking to former NHL goaltender and NHL network analyst Kevin Weeks. You were talking about Tampa and Boston and what the Boston Bruins have done. And I think the Boston Bruins have been the best team in the NHL for the last three years. I was at the Stanley Cup last year, and I really thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup. St. Louis just had a hot goaltender. They have great team defense, and Craig Berube is an outstanding coach. He really proved that he's an outstanding coach. Bringing St. Louis to the playoffs again just got knocked out in the first round. But what are your thoughts with Boston right now? Tampa, who's been a team that really, with all the talent that they have over the years, have fallen off every Every single series over the years. Now all of a sudden they're up 2-1 against the great Boston Bruins. Where do you see this series going, especially with the speed of the Tampa Bay Lightning? To me, team to team, I would always tip my cap to Boston instead of Tampa, although they're so close. The only reason is Boston can play in every phase, in every facet of the game. So if they need to be physical, they can do it. If they need to defend, they can do it. Typically, when Tuka Rask is there and Halak, they have one of the best duels in the league. But Tuka Rask, as you know, opted out of the bubble. And I'm not sure that he's coming back. I think that's the end of it for this season for him. So that's a big change for them, although Halak is really good. Then Boston can score in different ways, and they have arguably the best top line in the league. And all three of those guys in that top line are world-class players, two of them future Hall of Famers, too, probably. So I love Boston's team and their consistency and their identity. Tampa, their team is stacked, high-octane offense. I mentioned their goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, who's money. But one of the things about Tampa that makes this a closer fight for me this year between these two teams is now Tampa has more jam. They're more physical. Before, they were a team that was highly skilled, but maybe a little too pretty, a little bit too ticky-tack in terms of making plays. But you put the body on them, and sometimes they would shut down. And they also didn't defend as well, even though they have a great goalie. He just used to bail them out a lot because they were so high octane on offense. All that to say Tampa's more complete now. They've added players to their group, like Patrick Maroon, who won the Stanley Cup as a St. Louis native, I might add, for his hometown Blues last year. Blake Coleman, who they got from the Devils. You probably are fond of his last name. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Represent. Is he right? Right? Coleman Express. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's been nice with it. He's been really, really nice with it this year. He was To me, he was the Devils' best player before trade deadline and Tampa acquiring him. Barkley Goudreau, Braden Point for me is probably their best all-around player, number 21. So all that to say, when the games get tight, when they get physical, Tampa doesn't go away the way they used to. And that's what makes that challenge between Boston and Tampa closer than it probably would have been in other years for me. Kev, are you surprised that, that talented teams like the Penguins, the Predators, and the Blues mm-hmm. fell in their playoff matchups the way they did? To some extent. I had the Blues repeating. Because everybody, for the most part, was healthy. But the big challenge for the Blues is Vladimir Tarasenko, their sniper, really, their goal scorer. He had shoulder surgery. Then he wasn't 100% quite right. I don't think the shoulder surgery was as successful as they all hoped it would have been. And he had to opt out of the bubble at the end for for more medical attention and second and third opinion on his shoulder. That being said, the Blues, same thing. I I thought they were going to roll and get right back there. But 
Washington, I mean, they're still stacked with Ovi, with Ovechkin. You thought they would have pushed through. Obviously, Pittsburgh with Sid, Sidney Crosby. I mean, those are some of the best players in the history of our game. And Malkin on Pittsburgh, too. But here's the thing, as you know this all too well from your playing days. You look at rosters. You look at records. We read scouting reports. You look at charts. You do video. At the end of the day, got to line up and play the games. Even if you're playing flag football, even if you're playing street <laughs> hockey, road hockey, it doesn't really matter. If you're playing outdoor hoops, you actually have to go out and execute. So a lot of times people look at the matchups and the standings and the seedings and all these different things. And as you know, former athletes, we look at all the things I just mentioned at EC, and then you're like, oh, we just got smoked. That's one of the great things about sports. And that's where sports keeps you humble and it keeps you so honest, no matter how great you are as a player or how deep or stacked or great you are as a team, you got to go out there and get it done. And that's one of the things that makes sports so unique and so challenging for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so many times you have these, these paper champions, people exactly. who have everything lined up in the stat sheet, every position filled, but they don't play together as a team. They don't play as a unit. And it doesn't happen. So, I mean, that's a great point that you bring up. Mm, thank you. Yeah, that, that's, that's just, it's hard. And I feel like what's hard too is in society now, we have so much access. Like before, it was 10 cents for me anyway. I'm 45. I was lucky. 10 cents, nickel, quarter, maybe 35 cents, maybe 50 to go to a convenience <laughs> store. Like that's what it was growing up in the 70s and 80s. You know what I mean? Like, are you getting a sour key? Ooh, I don't know. You're going to get a pack of nerds? Ooh, I'm not sure. Can I afford that? Now everything's point, click, swipe accessible everything is so much better in that sense from an accessible but it's kind of changed the way people see things everything's just on demand i remember when we had the remote that we had the old school gerald remote was like a push button <laughs> on the brown box yeah <laughs> or, or the rotary phone so the reason why i say that is especially because we have all that access to tech and all these different things people think the same way now a lot of times when they look at sports they're like ah oh, that's my team so let me just log on to this and my squad's gonna win because the stats stay this it never works like that sports is one of the ultimate outliers where that's concerned and you just got to go out and earn it and get some breaks along the way it's funny that you bring that up uh my son trains at a uh, move on sports academy oh sweet down here sweet. in florida and i was chatting with move on and he said yeah. this game nowadays it really bothers me how this is so analytic you mess up these lineups this team got you to the playoffs and all yeah. of a sudden, just because you're facing this lefty pitcher, you change your whole lineup because of the analytics, when in reality, it's the team playing together as a group feeding off one another is what got you there and what got you over that hump. And that just goes to your point with fed all this information. And we think that we have every single answer. And in sports, you got to go out there and play. You got to perform. Totally. He's so right with that. And you're spot on with that, too. I mean, I've, I remember seeing the, the big man, number 42, move on. He had an excellent career. Man, could he hit the ball? Your son's fortunate <laughs> to have you and your wife, of course, and you guys raising him and being a, around. He's got a lot of meat behind long, it. He's got a lot of meat behind him, bro. that's for sure. Right? Exactly. <laughs> right? He's, he's going he's gonna to be playing with power, whatever sport he chooses. But no, all that to say, he's exactly right. You guys are right where that's concerned because the data that you're seeing, the stats, like, you know this. I'm sure you guys had the stat packs in the locker rooms before the game. You're in the locker room, you're in the dressing room, you're looking at the stats. Okay, what's this guy's completion percentage? What's this? What's that? How many times they run the ball? For us in hockey, all the same, same thing. We're reading the stats, stat pack before the game. And there's a great example of this too for the listeners. You just mentioned St. Louis about five minutes ago, the Blues winning the Stanley Cup last year. Last year in late, Jan sorry, in mid-January, which we were about halfway through the NHL season, the St. Louis Blues were in dead last place in the NHL. They mm -hmm. changed the coach. My man, Craig Berube, comes behind the bench from assistant to head coach, the rest is history. He gets them off the mat from dead last in the league. 
and they go on to win the Stanley Cup last year. In that's seven. the beauty of sports right there. That's the beauty of sports, mm-hmm. right? I agree. That's the power of sports. So that's my thing where that's concerned. It's really interesting, man, but sports can literally change on a dime. Like, and, and, you know, there's a lot of different things that I love and I'm into from interiors to decorating to food to fashion to art to culture, all these different things. There's so many great things, music. There's nothing like sports. We are talking to former NHL goaltender and NHL network analyst Kevin Weeks. I have a two-part question for you. Are you surprised right now with Vancouver, Dallas, and what are your thoughts for the Rangers winning the number one pick in this year's draft? Okay, so as far as Van, Vancouver, they're ahead of schedule. Would I be surprised that they're ahead of schedule? A little bit. But my good buddy there, Ryan Johnson, who I played with coming into the league with the Florida Panthers down in Miami, he's a part of their player development group, runs their minor league team, heads up their player development. They've had, in the last three years, including this year, three straight years with a Calder Trophy finalist in the last three straight years. And this year they have Quinn Hughes, who plays college hockey at Michigan, Wolverines, and he's just transformed their whole team. So when I look at where they are, Am I a little surprised? Sure. But they have all these young stars, soon to be superstars. They've drafted well. They've developed well. All those kids have become impact players. Their goalie, Jacob Markstrom, big Swedish guy, he was an all-star this year. He couldn't play due to injury, but he was voted to the all-star game. They've been really impressive for me. But what's really impressed me, too, as a young team with all that skill, is those guys are playing hard. And they're playing defensively, too. And their head coach, who a lot of the listeners should know if they're from Long Island, is Travis Green, who mm-hmm. played for the Islanders, mm-hmm. played against Greeny. And he's doing an awesome job. Young coach, holds them accountable, keeps a little bit old school, but then keeps it new school, too, in terms of his ability to relate with them and give them feedback. In terms of Dallas, they've had the team. They just haven't been able to get over the hump yet. But I really think that what's helped them this year, too, is after the coaching change with Jim Montgomery who had some challenges and was doing a really nice job as a young coach. Their assistant, Rick Bonus, comes in behind the bench. As I mentioned, he's been behind the bench for, I think, parts of five decades, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been on the bench as a coach in some capacity more than any coach in league history. And what's cool about that, Nisi, you'd know this, sometimes it's good to have a coach that can get fiery from time to time. But if the coach is losing his mind over every play and every sequence, and he's on that roller coaster all the time, that's going to make your team very on edge. If the coach lives and dies on every play, and if he shows that on every play, now when you're playing D, you're playing defense, now your defense is tight. They don't want to make a mistake. When you go on offense, the offense is tight. They don't want to make a mistake. So all that to say that calm that they have behind the bench from Rick Bonus, I think that's really helping their team, especially amidst a global pandemic, especially against everything that's happening with the racial inequality and social injustice. He He just has a real smooth, calm personality about him he's kind of steve kerrish it's like a combo between steve kerr and and uh and greg popovich i'd say kevin you bring up a great point where you know i play work for coaches that you know they go off on you know any mistake that's made and you end right. up playing tense you know you're scared to make a mistake but uh you know when you have that even keel coach when you know there's a lot of ebbs and flows in sports there's a lot of ebbs and flows in life if you can just stay even keel and go through then you know you'll end up better off than when you started but uh kev i just just, just on a personal note, man, I want to really thank you for coming on the show, man. You're, you're really a person that I look up to. Uh, you're doing an amazing job with your, your post-playing days. Uh, you, you know, you're a great husband. And, uh, you know, the way you carry yourself, please know that, that it is being noticed. And, and we all, you're setting the bar, man. And I appreciate what you do. Oh, appreciate you, man. Back at you. I know how family-oriented you are. You never forget where you come from. You're getting after it. You're working. You're training. You're, uh, you're, you're innovating in a lot of ways. You're also being open in a lot of ways because that's one thing with players, especially since we're so accustomed to playing one role in our sport 
or maybe multiple roles in that sport from a playing standpoint, a lot of players can't expand their mind as much as they should or use some of those same skills that you had when you were playing to apply those to a new career choice as you as we continue to mature and evolve. Yeah. Once the playing days are done, you've done an awesome job of that business, everything. So appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for that. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, as you can see, too, a lot of it goes back to the way in which you're raised. And when you have a great support system around you, that helps. And then just making good choices along the way and being hungry. Like life isn't over after you're finished playing. You know, for a lot of players, if you're lucky, you get to 30. If you're lucky and really good and fortunate, you get to 30, 32. I'm like, you think whatever it is, 34. I mean, the odd outlier can hit 40 or 41 or 42. But for the most part, if you're in your early 30s to mid 30s, that's a long life ahead of you to live. So you want to continue to be successful in everything you do. At least I, I, that's really the athlete in me as it is in you, as I can see. And you want to try to be as successful as you can because you can only play for so long and the new, the new crop comes in and you got to find a way to do something great, add value, make something better. And you're doing all that yourself. So thanks a million. Appreciate you. Kevin, before we let you go, because I know you have to go, yeah. um, I want to know your thoughts about the Rangers getting the number one pick. I know a lot of Ranger fans are so excited because they got the number one pick. What are your uh, thoughts on moving forward for the New York Rangers? Well, the Rangers this year were the same thing in, in the sense that they're so far ahead of schedule this year. I didn't think the Rangers would be where they are this year, or I didn't think they'd get there that quickly. But I got to tell you, them signing uh, Artemi Panarin as an unrestricted free agent, and not just because my agent has him, Paul Theofanis, my agent out in New York, but not just because Theo has him. Panarin's a top five player in the league, and he's just taking that Ranger team to a whole new level. He might be the best free agent sign. No. He's I say it on the air. He's the best free agent signing in Metro New York sports in the last. 10 Don't years. tell me that I'm an Islander fan. Don't tell me that. Oh my god! I <laughs> want to know, rip my hair hey, out of my head. Straight up, he's the best free agent <sighs> signing in all sports: Yankees, Nets, Mets, Red Bulls, Blue Bulls. I don't know whoever. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's been that nice with it. So, so all that to say, that changes everything for their team. Zabanajad <sighs> has become a star here on Broadway too. <sighs> They've got three goalies now. They're stacked at that position. But them getting the first overall pick, I think that would be massive for them. They just had the second overall pick last year. They took Capo Caco, the young Finn, at number two. And for all intents and purposes, I think they'll take Alexis Lafreniere, uh, the young kid out of Quebec this year. They'll take him at one. So they're, they're fishing with dynamite right now. They're in a great spot. The Rangers are in a really good spot. They're going to have some cap challenges that they have to navigate because the salary cap will be flat these upcoming two seasons at 81.5 million for the ceiling of the cap, but they're in a good spot. The Rangers are on a nice track right now. They're ahead of schedule too. As you guys know, we were just talking to former NHL goaltender and NHL network analyst, Kevin Weeks. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Thank you for putting in the time because I know you're very, very busy today as the NHL is about to start again after all the social injustice situation. Thank yeah. You, thank Kevin. you so much, man. Thank you guys for having me. Both of you guys. Uh, EC, thanks a million. Appreciate you. And just want to say to all the listeners out there, I know a lot of you are sports fans in general, but uh, I'm going to get into this for a little bit because I've been talking about it on the NHL Network. Uh, it's important to remember that that every athlete or coach or administrator or person that's in the business of sports, for those of us that are and that have worn multiple hats, it all starts with us being people. The pads, the helmet, the bat, the skates, the gloves, the cleats, 
you know, whatever it is, the knee pads, all that stuff's amazing, but it all starts with us being people. Kevin, That's really important. Kevin, we really appreciate it, man. We really do. It, it's, Thank you. It's, it's crazy. You, it, it, I'm so happy that uh, we're moving forward and hopefully – uh, with all this uh, situation that's going on in the world, we can all come together and, and, and be one. I mean, uh, you, you're seeing what's going on in the world right now with COVID-19. We should be together with everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, unquestionably so. Like, you know, one of the hard things is I'm fortunate in that I'm from Canada. My parents are from Barbados in the Caribbean. I've lived in the United States for 20 years. So I'm really lucky to hit that trifecta. But one of the things is that's really important is I'm hearing a lot of people and they're like, Oh, this is political. That's this, this is that from our standpoint or from anybody in the sports business and the majority of the good people that are there, you know, sports are, are a lot of what we do. They're not all of who we are. And there's no place called Athleteville or sportsville that people live. There's, you know, there's only three bubbles going on right now. <laughs> One in the NBA or two, NBA, WNBA, and then our league, the NHL has two, one in my hometown of Toronto, the other one out west in Edmonton. Those are the only bubble situations for sports. Aside from that, per se, aside from that, we're everyday functioning people in society. And just keep in mind that what's really important is when you look to, to a lot of the athletes and you look to a lot of us as black people and people of color, in addition to people across all the spectrums, we're all interwoven in, in this multiple communities in which we live to an extent. Now, that might vary from place to place. Brooklyn might be different than the Bronx. The Bronx might be different than Staten Island, which might be different than Wisconsin, which might be different than Beverly Hills. But at the end of the day, man, you know, a lot of people are consuming the sports. They love the sports. But then they want to limit the support or some people want to limit the support or people's ability and our ability to speak about injustices. And remember, when you go to that local hospital, and you've got a young daughter, heaven forbid, and she goes into that pediatrician, if that pediatrician happens to be a black pediatrician and your young daughter needs care, or they happen to be a Jewish pediatrician or an Asian American pediatrician or, you know, Latino pediatrician, are you going to say, ah, ooh, ah, my daughter feels real good right now. We'll just give her a couple of uh, childhood Advils and we'll pull her out of here. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that. So... It's really important to remember, man. I always say it's we're all here together. We all have some unique differences which make us cool and make us cultured. But at the end of the day, the first name of this country, and I say the same thing for back home, even though it's called Canada, but the first name of this country is called United. It's United, not the divided states. It's the United States. And it's important that people keep that in mind and stay united. And thanks to all the people that have and all the people that have shown us all the compassion and empathy that they have. And uh, we just have to continue doing that and pushing forward and coming together. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for joining well us. Said. My pleasure, man. Well My said. pleasure, guys. Thank you, guys. Bless, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. As you guys right. know, that was Kevin Weeks, NHL analyst, ex-NHL player. He played for the Rangers. He played for the Florida Panthers. He played for all different teams in the NHL. And he's very successful analyst on the NHL Network and happy to have him on the show. So when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go into the MLB season. Right now, we have interleague play with the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. We'll get into that. And the trade deadline is coming up this coming week. Where do the Yankees and the Mets go as far as I'm concerned? And the Mets have a new owner very, very soon. And that will be 
Uncle Stevie, Stevie Cohen. And we will be back right after this here on the Weekend Crunch here on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not following us at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, all you have to do is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And remember, this is 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. By the way, Kevin Weeks was awesome. Really, he was. Eric, I, I know you've been friends with him for a very, very long time. He gave us some good insight with the NHL, uh, social injustice, the New York Rangers. He was so intact with everything he said. I was very, very surprised, and he gave us some good insight. I, 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 was really, I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah, so did I. I mean, and what a, a true professional, you know, both on the ice, off the ice, you know, the things that he's doing with the NHL network and really just had some some amazing points about uh, the, the playoff analysis as far and as well as the social injustice issues, you know, just talking about uh, his life experiences and what he's gone through and uh, just giving us some personal insight as a, as a pro- former professional hockey player. I mean, you, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Only on the weekend crunch will you get interviews that in-depth. 30 minutes. I mean, I didn't think he was going to stay on for 30 minutes. Speedy said 15, 20 minutes at best, and he stayed on for 30 minutes. And I, I, I just want to give a shout-out to Kevin for staying on for 30 minutes. Gave us some good information, and uh, I was very impressed. I really was. Uh, I don't know him personally. I talked to him for maybe two minutes uh, at the Stanley Cup Finals last year um, in Boston. Uh, the guy is very intellectual, very smart, and is a good family man, like you said. So thank you, Kevin, for joining us. Uh, I want to get into the MLB uh, interleague play with the New York Mets and the New York Yankees and the trade deadline right around the corner. And the New York Mets, it came out yesterday, and as funny and as crazy as it may sound, it took a month and a half. We've been talking about this for almost two months since we started this show. Who's going to be the next owner of the New York Mets? Uh, A-Rod dropped out yesterday. So now it's one guy and one guy only. Uncle Stevie. And, and that's Stevie Cohen, who's going to be taking over for the New York Mets. They're in negotiation right now. Eric, when you look at the Mets right now, and now the Wilpons, or we call the coupons, are out and they're completely going to be out with this team and this organization. Do you think now that Stevie Cohen is going to take over this organization, do you think this is going to help the Mets moving forward with free agency? Absolutely. You know, as a player, uh, when you know, when looking at the team that you're, you know, if you're in free agency, you're looking at the team that, you know, that is interested in you. The first thing that you do is you, you look at the culture of the team. You look up top, you know, what is the ownership like? What are the players like? You know, what do they say about the manager or the coach? Um, you know, and then you have conversations with those players and with the with a man like Steve Cohen being the owner of this team. I absolutely think that he's going to change the culture. He's going to uh, take better care of the players. The fans are going to have a better uh, watching experience. And, and I think it's going to be great for this organization. You're going to see them really step up to the next level. Well, speaking of the Mets, the Mets are playing the Yankees right now. And uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, what what's going on with the Yankees? What is going on with the New York Yankees? The team that you picked, no doubt about it, going to win the World Series. In the last, I'm looking at right now, in the last 10 games, they're three and seven. They've lost seven games in a row. In a row. Man, the Yankees. Man, you, can't, you can't have that, you know, especially with 
you know, with as many games as we have uh, that the major league is playing right now, you can't go through a seven game slide like this. Mm -hmm. And it's very disappointing to see a team with this much talent, um, you know, to fall off. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do hope that they get back, you know, just the, the rule of averages uh, has them coming back and playing some better ball. But at the same time, you know, we don't, I mean, 60 games is not a lot. You can't go on an eight, eight, seven, eight game dive. No, I will say this. Tampa has been the best team in baseball. They're completely killing everybody that they're playing. They're pitching. They're hitting. They're doing everything defensively. And right now, in the last 10 games, they're 8-2. and two. They're the best team right now in the league. Well, they're tied as the best team in the league. I would say Oakland and Tampa are the best teams in the league. We expect Oakland to be where they are. Oakland has been a very consistent team. They just fall apart in the playoffs. And if they play the Yankees, watch out. They never pass. Just like the Twins and the Oakland Athletics, they never get over the hump when they play the Yankees. They never could beat the Yankees in the playoffs. But every other team, if Oakland doesn't see the Yankees in the playoffs – Oakland and, Tampa, uh, Oakland and Tampa are teams that could absolutely go all the way to the World Series. And now that there's 16 teams in the playoffs, uh, you're looking at the big picture right now. The number one teams in the division get to pick who they want to play in the first round. That's an advantage, and I don't like that advantage. I don't like what Rob Manfred did setting this up, this playoff tree or whatever he calls it. I, I, I disagree. But – uh, the Mets right now, they have an opportunity right now in the their division. They're right behind Atlanta uh, by three games. And Atlanta ha has been the best team in the National League East really for the last, I would say, the last three years. But last year, the Nationals won the World Series because of their pitching. And Atlanta, they're an up-and-coming young team. They have a lot of good young talent. You're getting to see some of the young players in display with Acuna and, and the players that they have. So when you look at the big picture, Eric, and, and Speed, I want to ask you this question because I'm looking at the Mets and the Yankees right now. Who has the better chance of advancing in the playoffs with the Yankees with their injuries? If, if Judge don't come back and uh, John Carlos Stanton don't come back 100% and they don't have a Glaber Torres who has not been the Glaber Torres we saw last year, we're, I think the Mets have a better chance of moving forward in the playoffs than the Yankees do. And the Mets are right now in the playoffs if, if the season were to end right now. Yeah, it's, it depends on if the Yankees' injuries are going to be that everlasting into the playoffs. Because last year, it was early in the season, a lot of them. So the, these young players got acclimated. They were able to get time to be able to get into the roles that they did. All the overperformers that they had last year. So they were acclimated where they could be trusted. And a lot of those guys played in the playoffs because of that. Now in a in a tighter season, a congested season obviously, with more than halfway through we'll have to see if they can adjust to that. So it'll depend on how much injuries they do end up having, but, but also some relief pitchers some starting pitchers have struggled more than expected too, so there's that end of it to look at. So if the Yankees are completely healthy, I will still give the edge to them because the Mets stars have been kind of up and down too. We had Alonzo struggle at the beginning of the year the relief pitchers, the starting pitchers, they all really struggled until just recently for much of the season, so that's what it comes down to, I think, with that, especially with the new manager and Luis Rojas, who's I don't I think he's gotten a more of a raw deal than a lot of people. A lot of Mets fans think that he's the worst thing again, but I don't think he's been as bad as people think. But again, new manager, you never know. So I still give the edge to the Yankees unless they're completely decimated like they are right now. Well, you know the Mets fans; they're going to complain about anything. They're going to blame the manager. They're going to blame the players, but really they want to blame the Wilpons because they never bring in free agents. They don't want to open up their pockets, and that's why bringing in Steve Cohen not only will benefit the New York Mets, but it will open up their pockets in the offseason next year, where JT Romuto is a free agent. There are a couple of great players that are going to be available for the New York Mets to bring in and add to this team where they're going to have a chance to be a very successful team moving forward. But 
Eric, the Dodgers right now have the best record in all of the major leagues. They're 24 and 10. Are you surprised? I'm not. I mean, they, they're, when you look at the two teams, the Yankees and the Dodgers, they were the two best displayed teams going into the season. The Yankees mm-hmm. are fighting injury right now, and the Dodgers are 100% healthy. So are you surprised the Dodgers right now are 24 and 10? No, I'm not. I'm not. And, and I've been excited about the Dodgers as well. You know, they're, they're one of those, those franchises that's been very close. You know, they, they've been uh, right at the end trying, you know, almost getting to that, that championship level. And, and I think that, you know, this is a year that they're going to be very competitive. And I'm excited to see them playing good baseball. Um, it's, uh, listen, I, I love it. You know, talking about NFL, NBA, hockey, whatever the case may be. When a team in L.A. and a team in New York are playing well, I think it's better for the whole league. You know, it keeps the country excited, and, and especially a team like the Dodgers. I, I love their organization. The team that's really standing out to me, really throughout each division, is the San Diego team. And I, oh, man. the Padres are been they've been unbelievable. Manny Machado has finally stepped up to the plate. He's playing good baseball right now. I know his batting average doesn't show. But his defense is showing. He's hitting for power right now, and that's what they need. They need power in the middle of their lineup. They got the power, and they have so many tremendous young players. Speedy, I don't know about you, but the Padres have really stuck out like a th- hmm. sore thumb. So. Yeah, it's interesting because we were talking about this with the MLB previews. A lot of these new managers, how would they fare in this kind of season? And the Padres definitely have one in Jace Tingler, who was the Rangers bench coach last year. And we've seen a lot, uh, seen it across the league. The Cubs with David Ross now after Joe Madden left also doing very well right now. A lot of these new managers have really embraced this role very well. And that's been a big key for them managing this bullpen, managing this starting pitching, which is all very young all at once. And also the Padres closer, Kirby Yates, who was one of the best closers in the league last year, has been hurt. So, And when he's been playing, he has struggled. So he's managed that very well, too. The lineup has spoken for itself. You have Tatis Jr. playing like an MVP candidate this year. You got Machado, like you mentioned. You got Hosmer. You got a lot of talent in that lineup. But they... It's the management and the management of the depth that I think has really helped the Padres fuel themselves, not to be better than the Dodgers, but to be right with them. Quickly. Man, can, we, can we talk about my man, Fernando Tatis? <laughs> I mean, that man has been balling. He's been making a lot of people mad. He's playing tough baseball. He, he's forgetting about all the, the un, unspoken rules. And he's just playing ball, man. I, I love watching him. I know you do. I know you spoke about him. But where do you think the Yankees and the Mets go right now this week in the trade deadline? I'm going to defer to Speedy on that one. <laughs> All right. So uh, from the Yankee from the Yankee standpoint, I don't think it'll be anything drastic. I think it'll be just a quick fix type thing because they, they have a lot of young players playing very well right now. I think they're going to keep those guys on the roster. You, Fl- Florial just call, got called up when Judge got hurt. You have Clint F- Frazier playing very well, who's obviously always been in trade rumors the last two years. So I think they'll do something small, maybe with pitching depth. But beyond that, I don't see much. Uh, with the Mets, I think they're – end of it is more, I think, they're going to make a bigger move because they need the bigger splash. They're still kind of that fringe team, and I think especially with new ownership coming in, they want to make that big splash right away. Whether it's with Brody or not, I don't know. We'll see if Brody ends up getting uh, fired after his comments, but... I think it's a bigger splash for the Mets that'll end up happening. But knowing the Mets, they, it'll probably, they'll probably either sell too high or not do anything. <laughs> I do believe the Mets are going to make more moves than the Yankees. Uh, I think the Yankees will add a bat if a bat becomes available. But all in all, I, I think the Mets are going to make more moves. And if the Wilpons really want to stick it to Steve Cohen, they'll try to make Brody trade away some pieces that will really piss Steve Cohen off. That's what I think. But again, that's just an opinion. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, me and Eric are getting into a war. And we've been talking about this. And we love this every single week. We call this Debate Hour here on the Weekend Crunch. 
We are the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Just tonight, we are live at 10.15 p.m. right after the Islander game. Very excited to be here on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, Eric, here we go. We call this Debate Hour. This is the Debate Hour. And now, in this corner, your host, Errol Mars. And in this corner, who gives a shit? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Tell them how you really feel, then, Errol. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow. Eric, that was not personal. It's still the best drop on the network, though. <laughs> Believe me, when I, was the, when, I, when I was the other end of it, for a long time. So don't you worry. It's not personal. <laughs> you see his face? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> All right, Speedy, here we go. All righty, here we go. Better defensive end in his time or pass rusher in his time, Jared Allen or Jason Taylor? Man, that's, that's a great one. You know, Jared Allen is a... Uh, class of 04 that that's my my draft class so you know he, he's a great player I, I know him personally he's a very good dude but I'm gonna have to go with Jason Taylor on this I mean he's a disruptor he's uh, a freakish athlete you know he was ahead of his time he had a weak neck roll uh, other than that you know I, I'm gonna go with with Jason Taylor he did I did get a pass interference on him they tried to throw a fade route <laughs> to him on the goal line against me and uh, they called PI, but he didn't catch. He didn't moss me, so uh, so I'm gonna go with Jason Taylor. I'm going with Jared Allen. I, if you look at him, he's had 136 sacks in his career. He's been a dominant player. Really didn't fight a lot of injury in his career for for all his career. He's been in a league for quite a few 187 games. I'm looking at right now, and he's only been injured maybe twice in his whole career. He plays a position where you get hurt a lot. Defensive lineman, uh, you're beating your body up. You're putting yourself in harm's way every single game. So I'm going to go with Jared Allen because, one, you pick Jason Taylor, and two, I think J- Jared Allen is one of the best pass rushers we've seen in, in this decade. Better player of the 1980s, Dr. J or Larry Bird? Oh, man, come on now. You know, being, being <laughs> on Long Island, you got to show some respect Uh-oh. for Dr. J being from Roosevelt. But with that being said, Larry Bird is one of the all-time greats. You know, he's, he's arguably, you know, top five players of all time. Um, I mean, he was he was a, he was a killer. He was a killer. I'm gonna go with Larry Bird. I'm gonna go with Dr. J, J because Dr. J played in a time where there were so many great players. So so did Larry Bird, but Dr. J really changed and transitioned the game. The slam dunk contest, the gliding, the the style and profiling. What Walt Clyde Frazier says, he changed the game. And you say whatever you want about what Michael Jordan has done. He changed the game. That's why he's the greatest basketball player of all time. You ask Michael Jordan, who did, what player did he look up to when he was a kid? And he will tell you Dr. J. Because Dr. J was the glider. He was the guy that changed the slam dunk. He changed the, the maneuvering of uh, dunking the ball and doing the things on the, the court we've never seen a player do. So I'm going to go with Dr. J because he changed the game. Better Steelers power back in their careers, Jerome Bettis or Franco Harris? Man, you, listen, Franco Harris is a, is, a, is a nightmare, you know, but <laughs> I never played against him. I have felt the wrath of Jerome Bettis. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a great, one of the toughest men I've ever had to tackle. So I, I'm going to definitely go with the bus in, in Jerome Bettis. I can't argue with you. It's Jerome Bettis. I mean, not only what he was as a player, he was a leader and 
the, his last year, he stayed in, he played hard, and he was a big part of why they won the Super Bowl in Detroit, in his hometown. So Jerome Bettis, the boss, he very, very nice guy. I met him twice. Very casual speaker, and he speaks from the heart. So it's Jerome Bettis. He was the leader of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alrighty, better player in his time, Vince Carter or Dominique Wilkins? Mm. Oh, the mm. human highlight reel. Mm. Oh my goodness, that's uh, a good uh, or one. half man, half amazing. Mm. That that's tough. You know, I, I grew up, I grew up watching Dominique Wilkins. You know, he was a, a phenomenal all-around player. Vince Carter obviously has the longevity part of it, but if I had to say just a better player. I'm going to go with Dominique Wilkins. It's hard not to go with Dominique Wilkins, but Vince Carter really transitioned the game in, in in this time of the dunking. He changed the slam dunk. He's the only player I've ever seen in a real basketball game in the Olympics jump over a seven foot five guy. I've never seen that before. He was an amazing player. He played for such a long time in his career. I think Vince played for like 21 years in the NBA. How many players did that? So I'm going to go with Vince Carter. Both of them are Hall of Famers. Dominic Wilkins, uh, Wilkins uh, really, uh, the, way, the way he played, and really the slam dunk contest he had with Michael Jordan was fantastic. It was amazing. Some of the best slam dunk contests. If, you've never, if you weren't alive for that, I was young, but I got a chance to see it. If you kids, you young kids that don't know who Dominic Wilkins is, and you just know Michael Jordan, go on YouTube and watch the slam dunk contest him and Michael Jordan had in those two years. Fantastic. So, but I- I'm going with, with Vince Carter. Who is the best quarterback in the 2004 NFL Draft? Eli, Big Ben, or Phillip Rivers? That's really tough because, you know, Phillip Rivers is on that Dan Marino type type thing where he throw, he puts up the numbers, but he doesn't perform when you need him to. Um, Eli Manning has two championships. Obviously, he had a solid career, but I'm going to go with Big Ben. You know, Big Ben, I want to say he has two, two Super Bowl championships. Um, he's still playing at a high level. He was hurt last year. But, you know, everyone expects him to make a full recovery. Um, and he did the way he progressed through his career. He went from a quarterback who, you know, my rookie year when playing against him, he was a guy that was reading one receiver. And if he wasn't open, he would tuck it and go. And now he's progressed to a guy who has an excellent deep ball. He's a field general. You know, he's tough to tackle and a great leader. So I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, with Big Ben. I'm throwing you a curveball, baby. And I've been saying this a long, long time. The best quarterback in that draft, and I would put even Tony Romo, who wasn't drafted in that draft. He was undrafted, but he came from that draft. Romo was right there with it. But, no, he's older. Ro- yeah. Romo's older than us. Yeah, but Romo came in that draft. He was undrafted in that draft in 2004. So, But I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers. That's who I'm going to go with. Because when you look at Phillip Rivers, first of all, numbers – show you everything. Now, I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He didn't do well in the playoffs, but you have to look at his teams. He did play with Ladanian Thomason. Their offensive line, his first couple of years were good, and then that offensive line was very, very weak over the last, I would say, seven or eight years. Let's be honest. They've had a good defense the last couple of years, but Phillip Rivers couldn't get over the hump because of injuries and things that he, he couldn't change. So I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers because I think he has the best numbers out of all of them. And he's been the most consistent. He's the one who played with a torn ACL in the playoffs. He did things that Ben Roethlisberger didn't do and Eli Manning didn't do. Both of them have won two Super Bowls, obviously, and Phillip hasn't won one. But again, he comes from a team and a league in the AFC in a division where they're not the strongest team in the division. They were the strong team in the division for maybe three or four years when LaDainian Tomlinson was there. And then when he moved on to the New York Jets, they were a completely different team. So I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers because he has the better numbers. Alrighty, more valuable to the Houston Rockets right now. Russell Westbrook or James Harden? Hmm. 
Oh man, I'm going with, with Harden. <laughs> of course I'm, you are. <laughs> I'm going with Harden. I mean, he's a, he fills up the, the stat line. Uh, he's a leader of the team. He, he makes the thing go, man. I'm going with Harden. Oh, I'm going with Russell Westbrook. He's the better player. He's the better all-around player. And as far as I'm concerned, even though they're both terrible in the playoffs, let's be honest, go look at their numbers from the regular season to the playoffs. They're not even touchable. But I think Russell Westbrook's the better player. And he's the point guard. He's the true point guard out of both of them. I love what James Harden does on the court. He draws fouls. He goes to the line. But Russell Westbrook, he's got the speed. He's got the ability. He brings the team together. He passes the ball. He's more of a facilitator. I don't believe James Harden's a facilitator like Russell Westbrook. So I'm going with Russ. All righty. If you were to build a franchise around one player from the last two NFL drafts, who would it be and why? I'm going to go with this year. I like Chase Young. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm a big believer in pass rushers. You know, they can really change uh, the, the whole scope of your defense. You know, you look at what Khalil Mack has done uh, in the NFL for the teams he played on. I mean, you go back to you know, Derek Thomas and Lawrence Taylor. They really changed the trajectory of their teams. So I'm going to go with Chase Young. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year and a great career. I, I would build my franchise around him. I'm going with the Bosa man. Look what he did for San Francisco. Their defense really was very weak the year before. They had a lot of... Uh, really weaknesses in the middle of their field. He completely transformed that defense, and you saw what the defense could be when you have a dominant pass rusher on the edge. Uh, it's Nick Bosa. He was the rookie of the year. He, to me, was the defensive player of the year. He changed the the thoughts of what San Francisco is moving forward, and they're going to be a dangerous team this year because of him. If he could stay healthy, he could stay on the field. It's Nick Bosa. This guy is going to be an all-time great defensive player. All righty, last one. Who is the greatest Los Angeles Laker of all time and oh, why? Oh, God, please. The greatest Los Angeles Laker. I mean, you got to go with Kobe. Oh, my I mean, God. I mean, hands down. I mean, you look at you look at the, the length of his career, uh, you know, the championships that he brought to the organization, uh, the way he changed the game. Uh, I, I mean, you, you have to go with Kobe. You know, Kareem was was amazing. Kareem did some some. I mean, I mean, you're 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 arguing a, a, a tough point here, but if you had to choose one, you got Kareem, Magic, Kobe. Listen, Kobe is is hands down. Oh, it's it's. First of all, I would take Shaquille over Kobe because of what he did dominantly, and and he was really the big man and the guy that really transformed the team when he came. He to He wasn't the there long enough. He was there for three years. He won the three championships. He was the MVP of those three championships. Well, he said Laker. Who's the best Laker of all time? Yeah, he's a Laker. And Shaquille O'Neal was oh, a Laker. Oh, stop! For he was a Laker. He was a Laker. He was there for he eight, was nine Ar- years. He was, mag- he was a Magic. All right. He was a Heat. He was a Celtic. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in a Laker for the whole his whole career. He no, was a Milwaukee Buck. He was for the majority. He was. So so was Shaquille. Shaquille was there for almost nine years. He was there a long time. Kobe was there for a hundred. Oh, give me a break! It's Magic Johnson. <laughs> it's not even a question. What Magic Johnson did for the Lakers really transformed the team. Really added a piece that they have been missing: a big point guard, six foot eight, talented guy that can move and groove through the through the hole, shoot the three, do everything, defend multiple positions. He defended the five, the four, the three, the two, the one. He was the greatest Laker of all time. There's no question, not even an argument. So there you go. All righty, and you lose. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to throw that. The Express is coming at you. Oh, yeah. The the Coleman Express is is really trying to run me over and run my cones over. Here you go. Anyways, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into our segments of the week. We're going to get into a cup of coal and mark it up in the same segment here 
on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. I'm dancing. I'm loving this. I, I'm a big Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg fan, so this is my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm moving and grooving. As you guys know, uh, we are on 103.9 LI News Radio Network, brought to you by the New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I love that track. You threw me off, Speedy. By the way, I threw um, you off. I-, I was wrong. Tony Romo was undrafted in 2003, which my partner over there wanted to correct <laughs> me during the break. Yes, you were right, Eric. You were. You did not win that competition, by the way, but you were right about that. And uh, he does not like that drop, so we will not use it next week because uh, uh, he thought it was terrible. So there you go, that ladies was, and gentlemen. That was, that was terrible. We're going to put it to bed. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, are you ready for your cup of call? I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. <laughs> As you know, we do this every week. We call this segment a cup of call. A cup of call. My cup of call this week is what the year of 2020. You know, I, I'm really, I'm really sick of this year. It's, it's been a, it's been an up and down year. But you know, more downs than ups for most of us. Uh, you know, there's been so many. Uh, you know, tragic things that have happened as of late to be specific as to what I'm talking about is all the deaths, all the people who have left us so early. I mean, you have Kobe, the black mama who who passed away yesterday. Uh, you hear Chadwick Boseman, you know, Black Panther. The guy, he played Jackie Robinson, such an amazing talent. He passed away in the sports world. We just lost Cliff Robinson, 53 years old, 18 year NBA vet, Portland Trailblazers, all star yep. Portland Trailblazers. You know, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, so I grew up with him. I wore a headband because of him. And, you know, there, there have been so many tragic deaths. So, you know, I'm over this year. You know, it's just it's just been a tough year for all of us. Uh, I think everyone's looking forward to Christmas so we can get this thing moving to the next one. So that's my cup of coal. I'm sure it's the year 2020. I'm sure your kids can't wait for Christmas, too, because Mr. Uh, Coleman Express over there has got to open up his pockets, doesn't he? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so speaking of Christmas, that is I really do have to open up my pockets. I have two two birthdays in December. I got Christmas. And then I have following birthdays in February. So I, I get hit. I get hit over the head. Well, now you got to buy somebody else a gift. I mean, your partner over here, I, you could buy me a car, a Corvette or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to do. You're going to send me like one of these action figures or something. There's your Corvette, buddy. Oh, yeah. My, my son will put together a Lego <laughs> Corvette for you. <laughs> oh, man. A custom Coleman Express Corvette. Ah, yeah. Uh, what can I say? Anyways. <laughs> Now we call my segment Mark It Up. As you guys know, we do this every week as well. This is Mark It Up. There's so many things that are going on in the world politically and socially, but what really stands out in sports this year more than anything is the way the game has been transformed. The NHL, the NBA, and the MLB. When you look at the MLB this year, the 60-game season, coming back, the players did not want to play a 110-game season. They want to play an 80-game season. They couldn't negotiate a deal. And that's the problem in my eyes when it comes to professional sports now, in all the sports, trying to get the players involved with the game in the ownership and and different tra- you know things that have transpired over the last couple of years uh, with the players 
players' voices in professional sports. Now, I agree that the players have every right to speak up on their thoughts of what's going on in their game. I just think when you look at the big, the big, the big part of the game and, and where the game is going, I think the transformation of the game needs to be amongst the league, amongst the ownership, amongst the, um, the GMs, and, and really moving forward, all those situations moving forward in the right direction. Now, the players have a right to speak up. That's why they have a players' union, and that's why I have a spokesman. I just think that a lot of these players are speaking out of place in certain areas of the game, which has affected the game uh, in the last past two years. I think that... All in all, if the players want, if each player wants to speak up, they should be allowed to speak up in, in a way where it's, it's moved in the right direction in certain ways of the league. I think the problem right now is players are speaking up not only to the cameras and on the platform, which I disagree in a way that they should be speaking in the middle of a game or after a game. I think they should concentrate on the game instead of worrying about what's going on in the world. There's a time and place for everything. And I think that the problem right now in in professional sports is the players take it out of their thoughts on making moves and stating things on a, a platform they should not be speaking for. They have Twitter. They have social media. They have Instagram. They have Facebook. There are so many ways you can get your point across. Why do it on a platform where I understand, like Eric, you said, every player should have the right to speak up and feel at peace of what they think. My problem with it is there's a time and a place for everything, and I think that players are picking the worst times to speak out. And I'm not talking about social injustice or anything like that. I'm talking about rules, regulations. Uh, I'm talking about referees. I mean, they speak out after the game, and even though they're going to get fined and all the other things that they that we've seen over the years, they're doing it in such a... A, a, a motion now that they're doing it over and over and over again, which I believe as a fan, I can't stand. So moving forward, I think the league needs to figure out how to control the players on what they say during the games and after the games on their platform. And that is my segment for market up. So there you go, Eric. <laughs> you, we both have our own thoughts to everything that's going on in sports and, I think that in, in, in the big picture of where we see the leagues and what the leagues are, I, I think that the game, the game is growing worldwide. You can see it. the NBA has grown in 250 different countries. The NFL, we're talking about the NFL bringing teams to England and Germany possibly in the future. And then we talk about the NHL. We already know that the NHL is going to bring professional hockey in different countries. It's already happening. So I do believe there's going to be a Russian, Russian professional hockey team eventually. I do believe that's going to happen because Gary Bettman already said it's going to happen. So the transformation of sports, and I do believe that the players need to take a step back and realize it's a privilege to be where they are. It's a privilege to be here in the United States making the money that they're making. And I think that take a step back, and if you've got something to say, say it. But say it in a way where it's not going to throw people off to think that you're taking a shot at a referee, taking a shot at other players, or taking a shot at the organization. That's all I'm saying. That's a, it has nothing to do with social injustice. That whole thought with social injustice, I, uh, that, that everybody has a right to speak up in their own thoughts of what's going on in the world. But I'm talking about the different rules and the different takes of what's going on in professional sports in the middle of the game, taking shots at your teammates after the game. Why are you taking shots at your teammates? It's, to me, that affects your team. It doesn't benefit your team. When you, when you got guys like Jamal, Jamal Adams over the last uh, 
two, three years taking shots at his defense. Oh, I know I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, my teammates need to figure things out. My teammates need to find their, you know, find their positions and do what they're supposed to do on the field. That's throwing your team under the bus in front of the press. And you know that you're in the biggest stage in the world in New York City where the press likes to take shots and likes to post things all over the newspapers. Sometimes you got to take a step back and realize you're not only throwing, throwing the players and the players that you're playing for under the bus, but you're throwing your organization under the bus like Jamal Adams did with the ownership and with the GM that we saw over the last couple of weeks. So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you got to take a step back and realize if you want to be traded, tell the team that you want to be traded. Don't go out and take a shot at the organization just to kind of push yourself out. That's what I'm saying, Eric. Well, you know, I, I listen, I, I think that you're, you, you're losing the, the, the point that this is what sells papers, right? This is what keeps us um, employed. You know, getting to understand the players' personalities, not just, you know, watching them go out there and play the field, getting to know the players, getting to know their beliefs and what they feel about certain things. You know, I get excited when I see, you know, a player or a coach get fired up, you know, during or after a game and talk about an issue that happened in the game. I think that's part of why people love sports so much. You know, and I think that's why sports have been taken to the next level, you know, over these last couple of years, because you do have these social media platforms. You do have these, you know, exclusive interviews. You have guys mic'd up because people want to get that player experience. They want to hear what happens on the sideline. They want to hear, you know, um, Sam Darnold come off the field after throwing an interception and say, you know, I'm seeing ghosts out there. (laughs) They want to get to know you as a person. You know, so so I think, you know, yes, there are some things that you would like to correct what players saying, but that just comes with, you know, having an open script. I mean, listen, if you're going to if you're going to you got to take the bad with the good, you know, you can't just be all positivity because that's just not how it goes. That's not how sports are. You know, sports are a microcosm of life. You know, there are oh, I like that flows. word. There, there I like that. The word yeah, of I mean, the day. There, there are ups and downs, you know, in life and there's ups and downs in sports. And, you know, we handle these things different ways and. You know, it's, it's easy to, to get in front of a microphone and be monotone and give the same answer every time. But it's nice to hear a guy, you know, have some personality and, and, and give you his true opinion on what he thought about something, because that gives you a different perspective mm. of, of the way that they're looking at the game base, uh, you know, compared to what you're doing as a fan. That's so why I, you, I, I, I would disagree with that. That's why you have Instagram and Twitter and all that other, orga- you know, but that's why you media. do the interviews. That's yeah. why you ask the questions. I got you. you know, that's why I that's why they, that's why there's there's interviews, because mm. if, if no one cared about what you thought, then they wouldn't ask you a question. I got now, you. if you ask me what I think, I'm going to tell you what I feel. You know I know I mean? you so, will. I know you so, will. So, but yeah, but that, I mean, that's just like you would do the same thing. Yeah. If I asked you mm-hmm. a question about something, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to tell you to stay in your lane and answer this question this way. I want to, I want to know your personality. I want to know how you really feel. And, and that's what I think that we all want to do with these players. Well, if you want me to dance on top of this desk, I could do that for you. I mean, I really could. <laughs> um, but again, you know, we, we have our own opinions. And I, I just think that sometimes uh, the players should keep their opinions to themselves on that market. I, I think that if you, if you have Instagram, you have Facebook, you have all the different social medias. If you, you want to take a shot at a player, use it on your own platform. That's, that's just my opinion. But again... We have a right for our own opinions, as we do moving forward. Up next, we have the last segment of the show. We talk about this all the time. We're very much buying and selling these subjects. We are going to get into crunch time here on The Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is The Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Tonight and only tonight, 
Our show is played right after the Islander game at 10.15 p.m. Very happy to be here for all the fans. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Well, Eric, the show went so fast. Shout out to Kevin Weeks for joining us. I was very happy to get him on the show, and he gave us some good insight. 30 minutes on the show, giving us insight with the NHL playoffs, his thoughts with the social injustice. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was. He was, he was amazing. And it was, uh, you know, great to hear his perspective as a player, you know, as a black man, you know, as a, as a professional, it, it was just, you know, he gave so much insight, you know, about the game, about off the, off the ice, you know, about life. It, it's, it's amazing having him on. Um, big, big shout out to Kevin Weeks. I'm a big fan. Absolutely. And I, I'm starting to become a big fan because I've had my differences in, in my thoughts to Kevin Weeks over the years because of, uh, just him playing for teams that I didn't like. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys know, we call this segment Crunch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. All righty. Welcome to this week's edition of Crunch Time here on the Weekend Crunch. So here we go. We will start this week in baseball. So with Pete Alonso not having the MVP type year he had last year, having slightly down year, he's getting going now. Buy or sell. The New York Mets should pay him now like a lot of other young players have been paid while they're at it. You don't really get rewarded when you don't play well. You know what I mean? So, so I'm going to have to go ahead and sell that one. I mean, if you want to get paid, you got to perform. So it's a game of performance. So I'm going to sell that one. I'm buying it because... I think Pete Alonso is a superstar player in the works. We saw what he did last year. He had the rookie home run record, 53 home runs. He was rookie of the year. He's had an offseason because it's 60-game season. It's not 162 games. And, and they didn't have really a, a spring training. They really didn't have anything. So getting, getting, um, getting back into the game and understanding the game and the speed of the game, I think that Pete Alonso is uh, really taking a step back as a sophomore. But I do believe that moving forward as a junior, he's going to be even better a player. I would offer him the contract now because he's going to be worth a lot of money three, four years down the road. You're going to have to pay him double the amount of money instead of maybe paying him $140, $130 million instead of $250 million. So I am going to buy. All right. Buy or sell if released by the Steelers at the end of the year because he will be a free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster will be a New York Jet or a New York Giant. Um, I'm selling that. There's no way that the Pittsburgh Steelers let him out of that building without a franchise tag, without a long-term deal, or, you know, doing something, you know, to to get something of value. So I'm going to sell that one. I I think Juju stays with Pittsburgh. Did we forget about Le'Veon Bell? Nobody would have thought that they would have let Le'Veon Bell go. This guy was the best player on the team for for years. I mean, you can argue it was him or or Antonio Brown. They well, gave after it. he sat after he sat out for a year, you kind of got the, the the picture that yeah, he but wasn't. They weren't going to pay him, and I, I I look at Juju. Juju's around the same age as Le'Veon Bell was when he became a free agent. So again, I think Juju is a nicer, straightforward team player type of guy. But Sam Darnold is playing for the New York Jets, and guess who he played with in college at USC? Sam Darnold. And I do believe that the Jets are going to have the money, and they're going to have the draft stock if. Pittsburgh decides they want to give him an extension or franchise him, and Juju wants to test the market. The Jets have enough draft picks to make a move and add a superstar player like Juju Smith. So I'm going to buy that. I think the Jets would be a very good landing spot for Juju Smith. But do you buy that Juju Smith-Schuster is a star? Oh, yes. 
The Steelers also wow. do have a history of releasing and replenishing wow. receivers, though, too, Eric. Keep that in mind. They've done that a lot recently. Wow, True. man, he doesn't. I'm surprised. He's uh, not a number one receiver. You don't think he, so? He, he's not going to strike fear in your defense. He's not going to carry the load by himself. He can't, uh, you know, he's not going to beat you vertically. He's not going to beat you. Um, you know, he can beat you intermediate. You know, he's great. He's tough. He's physical. He's all those things. But he's a complimentary receiver. He's not a number one guy. Interesting. He's not a superstar. Interesting. In my eyes. I actually agree with him on that. So I think he's been over. I disagree. For a little while. But, uh, okay. I'm the only one that disagrees. Look at you. Speedy. That's why he's going to wear your jersey, man. <laughs> the Coleman Express, man. I, I mean, seriously. Here. All right. Buy or sell. <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers should trade either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Absolutely. I'm going to buy that one. You know, I, I think that the, the time of the what is it, trust the process, I think that that process has shown that is not working out for Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid is, is a unique talent. You know, you're not going to see a big guy with the, with the athleticism that he has. You know, that I think that with a good coach, building the team around him, making him the focal point of your team is the way to go. You know, Ben Simmons is a guy who has the size. He has the, you know, the, the talent. He has the ability, but I mean, the man can't shoot and you can't have a point guard or a power, whatever position you want to put him at. You've got to be able to shoot the ball in the NBA. And, and he has a big problem with his confidence in shooting the ball. So I'm going to go ahead and buy that one and say that Ben Simmons is going to be on his way. I, I too, believe I will buy that. And I do believe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, uh, whatever draft stock you can get for both of them, I trade them both. Joel Embiid, he's a great player. But in the game, in the middle of the game, for some reason the pressure is on him. He doesn't play at the top of his game. Now, I understand the pressure is on him, and he's the best player on the court. But the best players always step up, and I haven't seen Joel Embiid do that. And Ben Simmons, let's be honest. Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball. Uh, He can't shoot free throws. The guy's a great defensive player. He can get to the hole at will. A lot of people compared his games when he came into the league to LeBron James. He's nothing like LeBron James. So, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could be on their way out. I'm going to buy that. All right. Trevor Bauer, with the great season he's having this year, will be a top 10 paid starting pitcher at the, at the end of the season when his free agency comes, either by the Reds or someone else. You know what? Just because you said he's one of the top guys, <laughs> I'm going to buy it and, and go ahead and let Arrow argue me. No, I'm going to buy it too. I think uh, Trevor Bauer is as good as any pitcher right now in baseball. He's been the best play- pitcher a best all-around pitcher in baseball for the last two seasons. If you look what he did coming to Cincinnati, look at his record, look at his ERA and his whip since he's been to Cincinnati, and and, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. Cincinnati is not going to give him that kind of money. I could see the Boston Red Sox overpaying for him. They need another number one guy, uh, Chris Sale, with his injury, uh, Tommy John surgery. I don't think I don't think Chris Sale is going to be the same player. He got paid a lot of money in the offseason uh, two years ago. So they're going to need that other number one guy to play against the Yankees, to play the Tampa Bay um, Rays. So I'm going to say I'm going to buy it. He's going to get paid a lot of money, and I think it's going to be the Red Sox. All righty. So buy or sell. We did the defensive rookies last week. Let's do the offensive rookies. So buy or sell. The offensive rookie of the year this year will not be one of the quarterbacks. I am going to go ahead. You know what? I'm going to buy that one. You know, I, I think that, you know, when you look at Tua, you look at Joe Burrow, they're not really in those positions to thrive right now. And I, I don't see Joe Burrow. I, I do think he's going to have a great career, but I don't think that he's going to start off the right way with no preseason, not as many reps. It's going to be tougher on a quarterback to win the rookie of the year. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy that one. I'm going to buy it too. I don't think a quarterback is going to win rookie of the year. I don't think the best quarterback in this draft is Joe Bur- Burrows or Tua. 
I think Justin Herbert, the uh, suck for the duck, I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the draft. I think he's a great quarterback. He can throw the ball in all different directions. He can run the ball. He can throw on the run. He can make every single pass. I just don't know if he's going to play this year, if he's even going to start. So I don't think it's going to be a quarterback. I think it's going to be either a wide receiver because this was a wide receiving class. Judy, CeeDee Lamb, he's another great player. So I think this was a wide receiving draft, and I think you're going to see a lot of great wide receivers. Even Denzel Mims, if he can stay on the field and be healthy, he could be spectacular this year for the Jets and Sam Darnold, uh, which we haven't seen enough of uh, Denzel Mims because he's been fighting a hamstring problem. So uh, hopefully we get to see him on the field and maybe transition this Jets offense, which we've been wanting to see for the last couple of years with Sam Darnold. If Jock Vaughn does not retain his role as the Nets head coach, he will get another head coaching nope. job somewhere else. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and sell that one. You know, <laughs> I think that there are a lot of uh, assistant coaches that are, you know, waiting for those opportunities. You look at Tyron Lue. Um, you know, there, there are several coaches, you know, th- that, that are in line in front of Jock Vaughn. So I'm going to go ahead and sell that one. I'm going to sell it. I agree with you. Uh, Kenny Atkinson being one of them. He's probably the best uh, coach available. How about Jason Kidd, who everybody Mm. thinks uh, is going to get a job at the end of the season. There's a couple of pretty nice teams that will be available that would be interested in somebody like Jason Kidd to come in and help some of the young players that they have with their organization. Uh, being the 76ers being one of them. So, and also Kenny Atkinson would fit the 76ers as well. So I am going to... I'm going to sell that. I don't think Jock Vaughn is going to get another job. All right. So trade deadline for baseball on Monday. Buy or sell. Brody Van Wagenen will be fired before that. You know, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I think it's, listen, with a short season, uh, to make a hasty decision like that is going to be premature. So I'm going to sell it. I agree with you again. I I think I'm going to sell that too because when you look at the big picture, even if Steve Cohen takes over the team after the trade deadline – uh, I don't think that Steve Cohen, he's, this guy's a businessman. He's, he understands how to make money. Why would he get rid of a GM when you don't have anybody to replace him? It doesn't make any sense. You'll wait until the offseason when Steve Cohen owns the team, and he could decide what he wants to do with the team moving forward. So I'm going to sell that. Earl Thomas will sign with a team other than the Dallas Cowboys. That's a great one. Um, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. I don't think that um, the Cowboys are the only team that would that has a need for Earl Thomas you know I I do think that you know obviously Earl Thomas has his issues his personal issues that he has to deal with um, and and that may scare away some teams but I do think that you know with injuries with um, you know lack of talent in certain positions that there will be another team that's going to come out and maybe pay more than the Cowboys so I definitely think it's a possibility so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to sell it. I think Earl Thomas is on his way to the Cowboys. He grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. Uh, Jones has been, been telling us for years that he wants to bring Earl Thomas over there. He, he can transition to defense. You saw what he did with Baltimore. You saw what he did with Seattle. I, I do believe he's going to be on his way to the Cowboys. I think he fits all the different players that they brought into the organization, Greg Hardy being one of them. They've brought a lot of bad people to the organization. I'm not saying Earl Thomas is a bad person, but what we've heard so far, it's not good. So, I am going to buy it that he is going to be a Cowboy. All right, last one. The NBA and NHL playoff hiatuses will benefit the underdog teams. I'm going to buy that. You know, I think that with uh, the playoffs being expanded, it's going to give more teams opportunities to, uh, to, to fight. And, you know, we all know I talk about it every week that playoffs are about who's hot at the right time. And maybe if there's a young team that just gains their confidence, they hit their stride at the right point in the season and uh, and upset. So I'm going to go ahead and buy that one. I think it's going to give more teams an opportunity uh, 
to, to make something happen. I'm going to sell it because when you're good, you're good. And when you're bad, you're bad. As Eric always says, you know, the, the cream always rises to the top. I'm using your words, buddy. So uh, and the Coleman Express, by the way. But I look at the big picture right now and you look at the league. The good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. It's not going to make a difference unless some team gets hot in the NHL. We've seen that bad teams get hot and make it to the in, in the NBA. You're not going to see that in the NFL. You're really not going to see that. It's just it, it's not going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. So. There you go. All righty. That is this week's Crunch Time. All right. Do that again. Do that again. That is this week's Crunch Time. Eric, could you do that? Could you do that? That is it. That is this week's Crunch Time. Could you do that? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. I'm not going to do that. Eric's so mad about the debate hour drop. Yes. He, he's upset. He's upset. But don't worry, Eric. We're not going to use it anymore. We're not going to throw you under the bus. Well, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. It was a great show. I want to give a shout-out to Kevin Weeks for joining us. He was great. Um, all the fans that listen to us every single week, we really appreciate us. We really appreciate you guys as much as we, re- we really appreciate Eric. I really appreciate myself and Speedy. We, re- we really appreciate all of us. But uh, we really appreciate you tuning into our show every single week. Uh, shout-out to the LI News Radio Network, 103.9, for having us on their network. And uh, shout-out to the Islanders. Uh, they better win tonight. They better win tonight moving forward because I want to see the Islanders go to Lord Stanley's Cup and, and really take shots at the New York Ranger fans because all I've been hearing is they got the number one pick. And you saw Kevin. You saw him. He is a Ranger fan. He is an absolute Ranger fan. Am I right or wrong, Eric? You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for the Rangers. I know he is. But he, has he is. A, but he has a vested interest in the Islanders, so he's rooting for them as well. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Kevin <laughs> will sway you at some point, Eric. Don't worry. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Me and Eric will be back next week here on the Weekend Crutch. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Eric Coleman and Speedy Petey saying goodnight, and we'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.